you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's going on, everybody? DJ Bucky here. Another episode of Move the Sticks, a jam-packed episode. What's going on, Buck? Not too much, man. Really getting exciting. It's Thursday. Big day. Start Thursday night. Start football. to feel the juices start to pick up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. College and pro on the horizon. I'm excited. Big night tonight. Yeah, we got a lot, a lot to get to. But how about the guest we have today for the uh, second time on the Move the Six podcast? We're stoked to have WWE Hall of Fame announcer Jim Ross joining the show. And for those that didn't hear him last time, you missed out on that. Go back and listen to the Baker Mayfield 360 pod we did before the draft last year. Uh, it was a fun conversation, and we're excited to have him back on. He, he knows everything Oklahoma football. Uh, he's got actually a great relationship with Baker Mayfield. So Mayfield coming off his first NFL action, leading the Browns to their first win in forever. We're going to bring in uh, Jim Ross to see if he's, he's talked to Baker at all, get his thoughts on the whole thing, and then have some fun with him, Buck. We're going to let him actually uh, – he's, you know, he's got a football background. He used to call, he used to call games. So we're going to let him – do the play-by-play of the Baker Mayfield two-point conversion to tie the game Ooh. against the New York Jets. That should be fun. That should be fun. Last time he did a little play-by-play, it was exciting. Can't wait to hear Jim <laughs> Ross again. Well, they take his calls and they take his wrestling calls and they dump them over football calls all the time. They did it with the stiff arm that we saw in the Steelers game the other day with Vance McDonald, and they put his wrestling call on there. So now we don't have to, to cut any audio. We'll go ahead and get the man himself to do, to do it for us here on the pod. Go right to the source. Go right to the source. WWE Hall of Famer. Yeah, we're going to have Jim Ross on. So that'll be fun. We're also going to go through. We've picked out eight games this week on the NFL slate that we want to go through. So we'll preview those eight games. Then we'll make our college picks. Uh, have some fun with that. So uh, a busy show, Buck. But before we get to uh, to get into these games here, I, I was over at the Chargers practice on Wednesday. And, and for those who don't know, I do those Charger games throughout the season. So get a chance to go over there on Wednesday, visit with some folks, and then uh, go do the games on the weekend. And had a great conversation with Gus Bradley, defensive coordinator, who you know very well, uh, with the Chargers, on just the challenges you face as a defensive coordinator right now with the the evolution of NFL offenses. You've been talking about it forever. We talk about it on the show all the time, the college game making its way to the NFL game. And this year, 
what seems to be the flavor of the month so far has been all these fly sweeps, the action off the fly sweeps, and even some of those speed shovels. If you saw the touchdown with the Miami Dolphins last week for 75 yards, that was that old play that uh, that West Virginia made famous with Tavon Austin, and uh, we're seeing it all over the NFL right now. So I had a chance to talk to Gus about the challenges of defending that, and it was really fascinating, Buck. I mean, this is something that NFL defensive coordinators are really trying to figure out, no pun intended, on the fly. <laughs> that is funny. Nice, nice pun. Nice pun. And it was intended. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it, I think it's a huge challenge because uh, what you have to determine is one: what scheme do you want to be in, and how much practice time do you want to dedicate to stopping a play that may or may not show up each week. It really depends on how the offense is using it. If you're a team like the Rams and the Rams are showing fly sweep action 12 to 14 times, what well, has to be a big part of your your defensive game plan to deal with the play and the action and the counters that come off of it. Uh, if it's one of these teams that are just kind of like the Dallas Cowboys, they use it occasionally, they just kind of stolen the play to get the ball in the hands of Tavon Austin, you don't spend as much time to it, uh, you rally and tackle. But the one thing that we're seeing, and it's been very prevalent the first three weeks, offenses are going to this because when you have a fast and dynamic playmaker, when you can get him the ball full speed running around the edge, um, it's a play that can get you 8 to 10 yards quickly without a lot of effort when it comes to the blocking. He was saying just how different it is with how you play it depending on whether you're a, a single high safety team or you're a two high safety team in terms of the movement and adjustment. Basically, if you have the two high safeties, you do need to widen out the linebackers as you as you kind of see that motion transpire. If you're um, if you're uh, sorry, if you're a single high team, you need to widen out those linebackers. If you're a two high team, you don't necessarily have to have as much movement in the front. You almost have kind of an umbrella set up anyways. Then it's about playing downhill and getting to the alley. I will say in studying this a bunch and seeing this around the league, uh, one of the things that, that obviously can, can disrupt this whole action is if you're the end man on the line of scrimmage, so if you're the left defensive end and the fly sweep is coming towards you and you see that quick motion, you know it's coming if you can create some knockback on whether it's the tight end that's over mm-hmm. you or the tackle to force the guy to force the uh, the man on the fly sweep to bubble in other words he can't come flat down the line if he can come flat down the line get a short corner then you're seeing some some chunk yardage come out of that but if you can get some knockback and force him to arc around the perimeter it gives everybody else time to rally to the football so that's a, i think that's a key teaching point you got to create some knockback there. yeah you got to create some knockback penetration disrupts everything particularly off the edges uh, the one thing that you have to be able to do is you have to have a defensive end that can set the edge. And maybe uh, if we go back and think about what Jim Swartz has done and Jim Washburn, those wide nine techniques, real wide defensive end, make it go up inside because you still may get a positive game, but you won't get the, you got the help explosive plays that we're seeing. What Miami did to the Oakland Raiders, I don't know how many people had a chance to see that, but the speed shovel, as you called it, it wore the Oakland Raiders out. This was a team that really didn't move the ball with the exception of three or four of these uh, shovel passes that were going to the guys coming in motion, but they were so explosive. They were able to get two touchdowns off the play, and then the action set up a trick play that led to another explosive game. You have to be able to deal with these things, and we've talked about the way the college game is influencing the pro game. This fly sweep, jet sweep, whatever you want to call it, is a big part of the movement that has continued to come up from Saturday to Sunday. And it was interesting. One of the things, other points that uh, Coach Bradley mentioned was, man, you want your, ideally you want your linebackers to be playing downhill. 
And what this does is this keeps you from being able to do that. You're having to play laterally consistently, and you're not playing on a downhill manner. That's the way you're always taught and coached. Everything's downhill, downhill, downhill. All of a sudden now you're playing, everything's laterally, and then uh, and then it's also just he even he even used the word, which I, I take a little bit of pride in because I feel like we've said eye candy for mm-hmm. two years on this podcast and used it over and over and over again. And that's what he said. He said this these this action is just so much eye candy. You've got to be disciplined with your eyes. But it's fun. We've seen the the wild success of this early in the season. But with anything else, Buck, you know, we saw it with, with you know with the Wildcat quarterback. We saw it a little bit with the the zone read. This is kind of the next evolution. But guess what? Defenses will figure it out. They will make their adjustments, and then we'll see what's next. Yeah, you have to continue to to evolve if you're an offensive coach. And if you're an offensive coach, like um, I had a long conversation about the fly sweep with Dan Hawkins, who is now the coach at UC Davis. But I first was introduced to the fly when I went to Boise as a scout in like the early 2000s. Dan Hawkins was the offensive coordinator. And they were running it a lot. I think Ryan Dinwiddie was the quarterback. But over and over, over and over and over again, they were running the fly sweep. And when I talked to him this summer about it, because I was thinking about using it with my high school, he was like, look, here's the key to the fly sweep. You have to have a fly sweep. You have to have an inside run to the side of the sweep. You have to mm-hmm. have an inside run away from the sweep. And then you have to have a pass away and a pass to it. What I'm seeing with the Rams, the Rams are incorporating all five elements of what I call a fly sweep offense. And that's why it's very, very difficult to deal with them because they not only are giving it to wide receivers, any and every wide receiver, they're giving it to Todd Gurley. They're also running complementary plays, whether it's deep balls, screen passes, underneath handoffs, they give you so much that you have to devote so much practice time to dealing with that play that they may or may not show it and it's really forced you to burn up a bunch of reps um, defending something that is kind of ghost-like in nature. And again, I, I keep uh, keep bringing this up over and over again. It makes it more obvious and more absurd when you watch an NFL offense that does not incorporate any of this stuff. Uh, oh, and it doesn't require, I mean, and this is not this does not require a mobile quarterback, you know, because that was like, oh, you know, the art, some of the, uh, the 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 zone read stuff. Well, you got to have an athletic quarterback. Well, then it shifted to just RPO. So you don't have to have an athletic quarterback. It's either a give or a throw. So and then on the fly sweep, I mean, there, there, there's nothing required of your quarterback from an athletic standpoint. There's no reason why every team in the league shouldn't be incorporating. this. Oh, they should offense. be. I mean, if they're paying attention, like here's where we talk about offensive uh, coordinators and play callers and those guys, whether they're creative or not, if they're able to kind of take the next steps. We've seen teams, the L.A. Rams, the Kansas City Chiefs. We've even seen the Chicago Bears do some of that stuff. It really depends on if your play caller is really comfortable stealing ideas from the lower ranks and if he has enough um, bandwidth to know how to expand and evolve when defenses finally catch up to the one tactic that you're using. Uh, I think this is a great thing. When I was in Oakland back in 1998-99, John Gruden didn't use fly sweep action, but he was big on running a handoff. So we run an ISO to the right. He would motion the flanker from the right and have him bow back and run like a fake reverse. And yeah, yeah. Rich Gannon would always fake the handoff. But what that would do is just hold the backside just, defensive just hold end one guy. So, yeah. he, so he couldn't pursue. And that's all you're trying to do. You're just trying to get one or two guys to hesitate and pause so when it does hit on the front side and ends up being a big play, I think it's creative. I think it's um, ingenious that teams and offensive coordinators are really doing this to kind of help their run game and also help the passing game because these shovel passes count as passes. They mistake me. Uh, tell me if I'm mistaken here, but I believe – 
I think it was you that tweeted out just where the offensive numbers are around the league right now at this oh, point in time compared to years past. Just ridiculous numbers. Quarterbacks are at an all-time high, completing 65.5% of their passes. We've never seen that um, since 1970. And then the big plays are up. I think 596 big plays have been registered through the first three weeks of the season. That is the highest mark in the last 20 seasons. And what wow. you're seeing, runs of 10-plus, passes of 20-plus, right now the NFL is an offensive league. Everyone is going all in on feeding the offense, make sure that the offense is ahead of it. And I think this is going to have a direct effect on how we look at the draft, how we look at playmakers, what we value offensively and defensively. I think we're seeing the league change right before our eyes. It is all about the offense, and then teams are going to try and figure out how to play good defense. All right, so it definitely is a fascinating discussion. I'm glad we were able to jump into that a little bit. All right, let's, uh, let's get some of these games. Jets at Jaguars. All right, Buck, the Jets, to me, offensively, man, it's going to be a challenge. I know they've had a little extra time to get ready for the Jags, but that defense – what they can do up front, really all three, all three levels is defense. It's a, it's a great defense. And this is a, a Jets team that really pulled the reins back against the Cleveland Browns. I do think they've got to loosen it up a little bit. I, I'd look for a deep shot early in this game. Robbie Anderson, whether or not you complete it or not, they've got to try and stretch out this defense. They can't play half-court basketball like they did last week against the Browns. No, they can't. They have to open it up, and I think they have to be prepared for it. Um, Jacksonville – Continue to play good defense against Tennessee, but really the, every game for Jacksonville comes down to how their quarterback plays. Blake Bortles did not play well a week ago against the Titans, has to play well. If he's able to find some production, be it as a runner, as a thrower, this Jacksonville team is different. Um, it is all about Blake Bortles wearing the big sombrero. He has to play at an A-level for them to win. All right, we'll see what happens there. Jets and Jags. Uh, man, I, I look for the Jets to, to, to rebound and, and be a little bit more aggressive, a little more explosive. I still think that's it. Man, that's going to be a tough ask for them against Jacksonville. Seahawks at Cardinals. This is just an Earl Thomas show to me. I'm so fascinated by the whole situation with Earl Thomas. Not practicing much last week. Uh, own choice. Hasn't, hasn't uh, practiced this week. Yeah, own choice. I love that, by the way. What you know? What'd you miss? A knee, ankle, hip? Uh, own choice. Uh, Earl Thomas delivered on game day. That's what matters. So to me, I'm anxious to see what Earl Thomas does for an encore. Maybe he's going to get veterans around the league saying this whole practice thing, man. You it's overrated. That. It's overrated. Maybe he's saying it's overrated. Uh, you get a chance to go up against a rookie in this one too, Buck. First start. <laughs> what do you think? Look for Josh Rosen to have success. Uh, a couple things have to happen for the Arizona Cardinals. One. Mike McCoy has to make this offense Josh Rosen friendly. And the first thing they can do is they need to make it around David Johnson. David Johnson is only averaging 14.3 touches per game. That is not enough. The year that he had in 2016, he was averaging 20, 22 touches a game. They have to make sure that they get him over 20-plus touches. That's mandatory. Secondly, they got to find a way to get Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk into the mix. They're playing some other guys, but when I look at their roster and I look at their playmakers, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, those guys have to eat right after David Johnson. And then thirdly, it's about the quick rhythm passing game. If they get the quick rhythm passing game established, that's what Josh Rosen did very, very well during his time at UCLA. They have to build this office around what he does really well and hope that he can give them a chance to survive because they're not very, very good. 
we talk about this the fly sweep at the top of the show and, and how you can incorporate that and use that and being creative offensively. Christian Kirk is that chess piece to me. You want to you make him the fly sweep guy? You you know I'm going back into high school, Buck. He's built like a running back. Oh, he yeah. can handle that. I wouldn't mind seeing him and David Johnson in the backfield at the same time get creative that way, but that's the player. Christian Kirk is the one that can allow you to be very creative offensively. Yeah, I mean, I just think – you have to find a way to make sure that it's about the players, not the plays. This has to be about David Johnson, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, all those guys working in unison to help elevate Josh Rosen. Bills at Packers. Well, we've seen the we've seen the bad and the good. We saw Bills offense two weeks ago against the Chargers. It looked really, really stagnant and struggled in Josh Allen's first start. Then they come out in Josh Allen's second start. Courtesy of a couple turnovers forced against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, the offense got rolling, got in a rhythm early. Josh Allen throwing the ball, using his legs, designed quarterback runs as well as some scrambles, making some big things happen. And it looked like this is kind of a winning formula they could have there in Buffalo. Now week three, what does it look like? Doesn't get any easier going to take on Green Bay, Buck. Uh, But they've shown if they do what they did last week, the formula exists for them to at least be competitive in this game against the Packers. I think they can be very, very competitive, partly because the Green Bay Packers defense is absolutely awful. They just have a a mismatch of schemes. Uh, They're throwing a bunch of things out there, but they're not consistent in any of their approaches, nor in their execution. And so for Buffalo, if Buffalo just continues to focus on the effort and be in detail, they very well could sneak up on the Green Bay Packers. I'm not saying that they can win, but they can take it into fourth quarter. And if they get it into the fourth quarter, anything can happen. I think that is the plan and the recipe for the Buffalo Bills. Ooh, and he's not hot. Dolphins at Patriots. Dolphins offense, uh, you mentioned it earlier, Buck, didn't have to do a lot in that game last week against the Raiders. Just a couple big plays, a little speed shovel, a little trick play. They got it going. Now they are going into a hornet's nest against a New England Patriots team that is desperate. Dolphins sitting at 3-0. and If they could somehow get a win here, they're 4-0. The Patriots are 1-3. and That's a three-game lead for them uh, on the team that has owned this division. It's a huge game early in the season for both these teams. But for the Dolphins, to me, it, look, I, I think you have to continue on. I think you've got to find a way just try and spread this team out. I don't see a ton of speed and athleticism on this Patriots defense, and that is one thing the Dolphins have. You lose Jarvis Landry and uh, in his productive ways, absolutely, but they are fast on the perimeter, and they can stretch this team not just vertically, horizontally. They need to do that here against the Patriots. Yeah, they have to find a way to get it done against the Patriots. The Patriots have had a vice grip on the division for the last decade. Um, to think about it, when I look at the Patriots, the Patriots aren't fast on defense. They've given up too many points, but somehow they always kind of tend to find it and figure it out and get it r- right the last half of the season. The difference while they're losing games this year, the offense isn't playing like the pa- Patri- Patriots offense that we're used to seeing. They're not lighting up the scoreboard. They don't have a number two receiver to compliment Rob Gronkowski until one of those guys steps up. Josh Gordon, who, whoever in the pack, Chris Hogan, someone has to step up and be a dependable option behind Rob Gronkowski. If they get that, we'll see the Patriots get back to doing what they normally do to opponents. Buccaneers at Bears. 34 is the number, Buck. 34 points per game for this Tampa Bay offense right now. And uh, I know, I guess there's been no official announcement, correct? But, I mean, I, I don't think it uh, takes a rocket scientist to figure out we're going to see Ryan Fitzpatrick continue at the helm of this Tampa offense. Going up against the Bears defense that can rush the passer. Bears defense really can do everything. It's more than just Khalil Mack. This is a complete effort on that side of the ball. Prince of Mukamara, I don't know where that came from, but he's playing out of his mind 
in the secondary. Now, this is going to be a big challenge for Fitz and this offense. To me, this is – man, if he cannot fumble the football, a lot's going to be made about interceptions, but against this Bears front – Sacks you can live with. Sacks, force fumbles, turnovers, that's a problem. Ryan Fitzpatrick, ball security within the pocket, not just interceptions, yes. but holding on to the ball is going to be huge. Yeah, he has to take care of the ball. Um, more games are lost than one. Uh, ball security should be focused and emphasized at a premium, and I just don't know if he's built to play that way. And so this is a game that is very, very tough because when I look at Chicago and what that defense has been since they were able to add a Khalil Mack, they've been getting after quarterbacks left and right. Uh, He has a sack and a forced fumble in every game. You just don't see that kind of production, but it's a testament to what they already had in place in Chicago. This defense, to me, is a defense that I think can go down as one of the historic defenses when they all put it together. They just got to find a way to jumpstart the quarterback, to play around the quarterback to get wins. It's unfortunate you take a quarterback two overall, but he's certainly not a guy that can do it when you put everything on him. Saints at Giants. Mike Thomas, the best competes of any player I've ever been around. Now, that's not from a teammate that's played two, three, four, five years in the NFL. That's from his quarterback, Drew Brees. How about that as a compliment to your wide receiver, talking about the competitive nature of Mike Thomas? And said, I'm not quoting him word for word, but something along the lines, when I look into his eyes, I know he's going to be able to get open. I don't care what the route, what the coverage, uh, what they're doing to him. He's just operating at such a high level right now. We've had fun talking about Mike Thomas, and you talk about competitive. He's been competitive with us, not happy where we've had him ranked, you know, coming into the draft Mm -hmm. process, and he's got that chip on his shoulder. Look, uh, we've said all along, you know, it, would his numbers be the same if he was not with Drew Brees? No, no, that's a that's a that's a spot that's going to be productive whoever's in there. But that doesn't take away from the fact he is playing at an elite level right now and getting the job done and, and deserves the love that he's rightfully getting. Oh, he absolutely deserves. It. You just don't put up these kind of numbers over the first three weeks of the season uh, on chance and happenstance. He is a really good player. He is playing for a quarterback that is a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback and really maybe. Um, one of the best play calls that we've ever seen in NFL history in Sean Payton. And they've done a great job of putting him in the slot. And when you think about big receivers playing in the slot, the advantages that come with that, big body, expands the strike zone. You can now create mismatches where you take a corner who is typically comfortable being on the island and having to move inside, or you get him matched up on a number three or number four. He just continues to win. And in a matchup league, having a chess piece like a Michael Thomas makes that offense Almost impossible to stop. But on the other side, Pat Shermer, I think he uncovered the secret. I think he's figured out how to get this offense going. Little Saquon, going. little Saquon Little Saquon action. took Eric Flowers out, put Chad Willie in, Saquon. Chad Willie did not play good, though, by I, the I way. Mean, but I'm let's just not saying, get like, that, I mean, let's but not he, get that he's confused. an upgrade over that. Like, is like, he, though? Like, what, like, give up three sacks in that know, game? A D, I just a, think they changed the name D, on the jersey. A D is better than an F, so we'll say it's an upgrade. But more importantly, I think three sacks get you an F as well. I, I think mean, JJ Watt, three-time defensive player of the year. JJ Watt turned back the clock, had an I'm epic just game. I'm, I'm just epic saying, I don't game. know that. I don't know that that problem has been solved just because you swapped it out. They still. Are I think not the problem. That the problem really is he's figured out how to distribute the ball to the playmakers. Barkley got it. OBJ got it. Sterling Shepard got it. That was enough for them to get out to a fast start, and then their defense held on. Moving Eli Manning around the pocket helped him. Uh, kind of avoid some of the pressure that had been kind of plaguing his game. Hats off to Pat Sherman. Let's see if he can do it again against the Saints defense that is struggling. Ravens at Steelers. 
right, this is uh, this is always a fun one. I used to love being a part of this rivalry when I worked for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, getting a chance to go down on the field before the game. It was a different atmosphere. This is going back to uh, mm-hmm. the Heinz Ward, Jerome Bettis Steelers, you know, young Ben Roethlisberger with Ray, Ed, Bart Scott, Suggs, Nada, and, and Chris McAllister. Chris McAllister and Heinz Ward used to get in it, Buck. I mean, it was so mm-hmm. heated and so intense. Now, that rivalry still exists today. I don't know if it's at the same point as it was back then. The style of play for both these teams has shifted a little bit. But it's still, I guarantee you, going to be one of the most physical games of the week. And to me, a key in this one, Baltimore not having Jimmy Smith defensively uh, is big. Not having him there. He's had some success working against Antonio Brown. Now Marlon Humphrey, yeah. a lot of that's going to fall on him. Uh, so that is a key to this football game. And I do know Ravens fans were not happy with us when we, uh, we did our contender pretender thing <laughs> because we had questions about their offense, and they threw all these statistics out at us to refute why we shouldn't be worried, as if we're supposed to forget the 47 <laughs> they hung on the on the Buffalo Bills week one yeah. in a lifeless Buffalo Bills game yes. that was. not at, Early in the season especially, numbers can get skewed a little bit. Let's pay attention to who you're playing against and how's it going. And before they bef- – let me cut them off because they, they're going to come back and say, well, the Buffalo Bills team against the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. Okay, you, you buy that, you go ahead and buy that. I'm, I'm just not ready to buy it quite yet. Yeah, I'm not all the way. I'm not all the way convinced. But, look, this is a team that certainly, when they play the right way, they can get wins. It's still a defensive-led team. Joe Flacco has played uh, well in moments, but I don't know if consistently he can go toe-to-toe with Big Ben. When I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, I can talk about their offense being able to score 28, 29 points a game, but defensively they have to get better. What is the plan for Mike Tomlin getting this defense to get around Joe Flacco? Because if you make him uncomfortable, he will turn the ball over. We just haven't seen Pittsburgh be able to do that consistently the last couple of years. Browns at Raiders. Well, let's get a little bit, a uh, little Baker Mayfield's uh, first start is obviously going to be what we're focusing on here. But I'm looking at some of those other young, young playmakers around him. Antonio Callaway had a chance to have a huge game against the Jets. Dropped the football, especially a deep one down the field. But they took some cracks at it. Tyrod missed him early in the game. He's going to get on top of this Oakland secondary, and I think Baker's going to connect on a few of them. Now, whether or not they can outscore Oakland, I think Oakland's offense has done some good things, especially quarters. Does some good things. They've been moving the ball up and down the field. They just can't score points. They're not getting it done in the red zone. That's going to be an issue there. But to me, Antonio Callaway – uh, Baker Mayfield, Antonio Callaway, that could be a little something kind of special there. So that's what I'm keeping an eye on. What are you looking at here for Oakland? Uh, for me, it's John Gruden trying to figure out how they're going to put the pieces of the puzzle together. The last couple of weeks, they've been able to get Derek Carr off to good starts. Uh, a lot of screens, a lot of quick intermediate passes. You got Jordy Nelson off and all those things. But they haven't been able to finish in the second half. When they come off the script, the offense is sputtered. What will he do to counter that? Because he has to look at his defense and know they can't pressure the passer. They can't even disrupt the timing of the pass game because they don't have a pass rusher. This has to be one where he focuses his efforts on making sure that the offense can score 35 points a week because that's how they're going to have to win games. All right, it's going to be a fun one to watch. And I know somebody who will be tuned in watching this one. Uh, our good friend Jim Ross from the WWE, WWE Hall of Famer, best-selling author. He's got a fantastic podcast. I uh, had him on last year, Buck, and I cannot wait for the folks to hear our latest chat with the WWE Hall of Famer, Jim Ross. All right, Buck, well, I could not be any more excited to have our next guest back on the show once again. It's WWE Hall of Famer, Jim Ross. Jim, how are you doing? I'm good, boys. How are you fellas? 
Oh, it's great. We're doing great. It's great to, to visit with you again. Got a chance to catch up with you last year before the draft to talk a little Baker Mayfield. And uh, since we've talked last, we had a little something to talk about here. Uh, did you get a chance yeah, that, to see? Did you get a chance to see him the other night? Yeah, I saw him the other night, and I saw him this past Saturday at uh, at the stadium here in Norman. Oh, did what? Did you get a chance to visit with him then? I know uh, you guys have a, a friendship there. What was that conversation like? Uh, I just told him how proud I was of him and. There's about a million people around him that wanted to say the same thing and wanted a selfie or a picture. I got no selfies. I got no autographs, but I got a handshake and a hug. All I needed. You know, Jim, in the spring, you certainly um, talked about how he was an impact player, a guy that was kind of a, a culture changer in Norman, Oklahoma. And then we see and we feel the energy that he brought to the team with the Cleveland Browns. Are you surprised at all at his early success, the way he was able to kind of jump in and energize the squad? I certainly don't want to sound like some uh, – old uh, jock-sniffing gridiron prophet, but no, uh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> he's, he's overachieved everywhere he's been. And you guys have been around enough ball players, many more than I. Some of them just get it. Some of them have just been good all along. And the great ones then keep getting better. He's been good all along. He just wasn't recognized for it because for years he was too chubby. He was too short. Uh, so I think when you win a 5A title in Texas – uh, you're a pretty good ball player as a collective group. And he was a quarterback of that group. And uh, he just overachieved, walk on, walk on, walk on. And so now he's at home and he's going to be a player for those guys in Cleveland. You've been around some great athletes for a very long time. And we always hear this phrase, and sometimes we'll use it in, in scouting when we're scouting players, just the it factor. Uh, how, how would you define what that it factor is? Well, it's, it's a, you know, I, I took the rock to lunch one time when he was Dwayne Johnson. And every woman in the, in the place wanted to get him some more water or tea. A lot of them didn't even work there. <laughs> so there's, that proved to me that the old rock had the it factor. Uh, being around guys like Brett Favre, who's a rookie in Atlanta when I was there uh, doing wrestling for Turner, uh, Baker reminds me of the spirit of Brett Favre. I'm not going to go, he's got the arm, the perception, the, all that. I'm just saying the spirit, the personality, the feel. He's the kind of guy that doesn't PO anybody except the opposition. The, the locker room loves him, and he's a playmaker. You can, you can trust him. So he's, uh, he's tough on a $2 stake, and he'll, he'll be challenged this week because you know everybody's going to come after him. He's, he's number one pick. So he'll be a target, but he'll, he'll handle it. I promise you, he will handle it. You know, in, in saying that, because he does have a very, very tough challenge, he's going to the black hole. He's dealing with the Oakland Raiders. It's his first start. Uh, everyone is still – kind of throwing verbal bouquets at him after his fantastic performance on Thursday Night Football. But you said that you just feel so confident that he's going to be able to handle it because he's handled it before. At Oklahoma, how did you see him handle um, as his profile was raised? How did he handle all the success that came along with that? Much more often than not, and there, of course there are exceptions, and many in the media love to pick out those one or two isolated things that are, are not exactly what you'd want on your resume running from the cops in Fayetteville, Arkansas, uh, out with his buddies having a beer. Now, why the hell they had to go to Arkansas to drink beer? I still ain't got that part yet. But, you know, kids <laughs> make decisions. And, but by and large, I'd say 95% of the time, he was, he was perfect. Uh, he, he took a job from the Sugar Bowl MVP uh, and uh, quarterback for Oklahoma, who then transferred to Texas A&M. Uh, he, has, with, he has withstood all the pressure. And this is a football crazy town. I mean, what else we got here? It's a football town, man. 
It's Norman, Oklahoma. The Sooners, OU, the university is everything. Uh, and so he, he was, he became the big man on campus. And I don't know if he really wanted that role. He just wanted to play football. And he did that very well for us. Is there, is there a, a sense now in town, in Norman, that, uh, that Cleveland Browns are kind of the professional team of choice right now based on Baker? <laughs> Without a doubt. Uh, uh, I was in a store the other day, a Sooner store, and they had a whole big section of brown cats. <laughs> brown, ugly, brown cats. <clears throat> Pardon me. And uh, they were Baker cats, you know, six. And he signed some of them. It's just he's taken over. The, the community loves this guy. He got the biggest ovation Saturday uh, at the first quarter of the Army game uh, than anybody in the stadium. It's the only thing that got a bigger uh, cheer maybe was the flyover. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, I, want, I want to kind of transition away from Baker and talk about the young quarterback that is lighted <coughs> up in Oklahoma, Kyler Murray. When you look at Kyler Murray, what are some of the things that you like about him? How has he energized this program as well? He's explosive. You know, he reminds me of the old days – of guys like J.C. Watts and Jamil Holloway, not because oh, yeah. he's an African-American quarterback and you're wearing number one, but because he can beat you in multiple ways. The threat of him running is scary. Uh, he's got a shotgun of an arm, and plus he's the richest athlete in school. <laughs> so everybody likes Kyler, but uh, he's, a, he's a really a unique element that we haven't had here as far as – now Baker's athletic and Baker can run, but to say that Baker's in the same league as running speed-wise as Kyler's would be a misnomer. But Kyler's got a great arm. He's waited a long time for this opportunity. He was the number one quarterback in America, five-star kid with A&M mm-hmm. that went south there. And now he's here. And whether we got him for one year, which I assume we will, and that's about it, uh, or more, uh, he's, he's the answer to our, our Baker Mayfield conundrum uh, going into the season. While we're talking a little bit about this current uh, OU team, I got to ask you, when you have a receiver with your background in, in WWE, you've already got a receiver that's already got a WWE nickname there in Hollywood. Uh, how special is that young receiver that can absolutely fly? Oh, Hollywood might be a little light in the drawers for WWE. He's got a great <laughs> name and a phenomenal personality. Uh, he's, as I would say, he's quicker than a hiccup. And he ain't alone there, those receiving guys, those receiving courts. Hey, I think they're going to have a hell of a tough game Saturday afternoon against Baylor. Baylor gave us everything we wanted in Waco when Baylor was supposed to be down last year. Uh, Baylor's got big athletic receivers, and we don't tackle well right now. If the Sooners don't tackle well Saturday at home, we could be, we could be seeing potentially another Iowa State from last year, and we don't need that before the Texas game. Ooh, that's, that's, that's kind of big. Now, I know they had a tough time with Army. Uh, the Black Knights played them really, really tough. Uh, that option yeah. offense played keep away. Baylor would probably have to do some of the same things. But when I look at that Oklahoma defense overall, it seems like they have stars galore, freshman linebackers, people all over the place. Uh, what's most impressive, what's most impressed you about the Oklahoma defense? Well, they, uh, they have that new blood, as you mentioned, so wisely. we got some young guys that are going to be players. But uh, just a few months ago, they were in high school. It's a big difference in playing before a full house in Norman, a national television audience, a league game. Uh, and we saw that a little bit last week. You know, the Army game was – these kids didn't know how to take Army. And that's the good news and bad news is some of them are so naive that it's kind of fun to be around because they don't really understand danger or jeopardy. But uh, I, I think that the talent of these kids, the back end of the defense is really good. 
uh, and the, up, the front side still has to continue to come together. But there's talent there, and there's effort there. They're well coached, but they just got to get to that. Next. We needed Cheryl McCoy. We need another Dusty Dvorak or Tommy Harris. There ain't no mm. Selmans on campus. So the bottom line is we got to get some of these young pups to start hunting and, and sleeping with the big dogs here, and they're getting close. Well, I want to I just shift real quick. We're going to get a chance to do what we did on the last episode. We're going to give you a play and let you do a play-by-play here for Baker Mayfield with the Cleveland Browns. But before we get to that, one other former Sooner who's having a, a fantastic year, a nice little comeback, that one of the greatest running backs in the history of college football, one of the best running backs in the history of the NFL game, and Adrian Peterson. Jim, if you had to look through your wrestling background and you are going to find a comparison for Adrian Peterson and what he does on the football field, who would it be? Oh, uh, uh, gosh. Adrian was an angry runner. Adrian uh, was a freak of nature with his endurance and his strength. I don't know that we've ever had a running back Checks all the boxes that AD did. Mm. And I hope you guys are calling him AD. Oh, dude. Uh, Not AP, AD. It ain't to AP, baby. And these high dollar uh, NFL broadcasters can't get it. It's AD, gents, AD, AD, all day. I don't know if we've ever had anybody that can compare to Adrian Peterson. He's, uh, and either Father Time's not nipping him on the, on the buttocks yet, but he's a freak, man. <laughs> he's really a freak and motivated. He's got like seven kids with five different women, so I used to call him the father of our country. Uh, he's got motivation to run, man. Run, baby, run. <laughs> wow. We love Adrian. Yeah. He so, is. He's always – he's a wonderful guy. His heart is so good and maybe too good. How about the handshake? Have you got one of those over the years? Oh, God, yeah. And I, I, My buddies that meet Adrian, and he always, you know, let you introduce him and get selfish your pal, said – Hey, uh, come here and shake Adrian Peterson's hand. It's a joke on them because they don't have any idea. <laughs> then this pure fright. They think they're put in the electric chair, and they're, they're walking the green mile here. That's funny. <laughs> All right, let's get to this play. I want to I hear you get a chance to call this play. And, and we mentioned it last time. You, uh, you spent some time, you mentioned it there with the Atlanta Falcons, calling NFL games, and you're darn good at it. We know how great you are on the wrestling side of things. <laughs> I love listening to you call NFL games before we get to this play real quick do you hear do you hear these things on 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 the internet on Twitter when they take your yeah. wrestling calls and put them on football plays I do and it's uh it's uh humbling sometimes it's not it's just downright funny actually that fact that people have the time to invest in doing that in their day and then my next uh matter of business was how the hell do I monetize this <laughs> I ain't figured that one out yet. Uh, we're gonna try and help. We can help you on that. We did, we'll partner up. We'll make we'll make that work. Hey, let's roll this oh, play here, Jim. I think they showed you this. I know you saw it live there against the Jets. So here you yep. go. The floor is yours. All right, the Browns going for two to tie this thing up. They're in a pistol right now. Mayfield is and uh, the at the quarterback position. Mayfield steps up. Baker stepping out of the line of sight from the center. Looks like there's going to be a direct snap. There's a direct snap. The reverse play is on, and the pass, and Baker, Baker, the defensive backbreaker, catches the extra point conversion. Mayfield goes for two. The game is tied. The first of great plays of many for number six. He does the trick in Bakerland. How about that? Oh, that is so good, Love man. That. that is phenomenal. Hey, Jim, thank you so much. I do want to mention your book, slobber knocker that you want to talk about impressive 18 straight months number one on amazon in the sports section there you are crushing it with that book and i understand there might be another one in the offering here yeah the other one's in the offering and uh it's uh, we're working on that now and i also have a podcast called uh 
the Jim Ross report with Westwood One. Uh, maybe Westwood One listen to that call and give me some work. I'm not sure, but nonetheless, <laughs> my podcast just drops every Wednesday, as the young kids say, and uh, we kick some ass on and have some fun. Talk a lot of football well, on it too, as a matter of fact. Kind of like that. well, I, you can talk your football. Our folks, can, our listeners can know that right now. <laughs> Look, we. We've had you on here twice. I hope we get to have you on many more times. You always offer great insight, and we have some fun. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, fellas. Have a blessed day. Oh, Buck, how cool was that? I mean, he's he's so much fun to talk to. And uh, I know I'm sure we've got a lot of crossover listeners out there that enjoy uh, his work in the wrestling world. But he's actually – he's got some good takes in the in the football world. He's dialed in. He is dialed in. I love having him on. I love his energy. Obviously, being a wrestling fan growing up, uh, we all know about the Hall of Famer, but the way he is able to kind of take uh, his game, his personality, and talk about football, the way he talks about it with the passion, you have to love that. Yeah, I, I'm trying to, you know, you always want to, I always go by the rule, you want to have three points of contact before you really make an ask or really try and get in some inside scoop. I just need to know, you know what I'm looking for, Buck? I'm looking for some, some Coco Beware stories. Like, oh, give me some Coco, Coco Beware. Beware. Let's go old school on this thing. How about that? Uh, <laughs> he's the best. Anyways, that was a lot of fun. Uh, let's do some college games, Buck. It's, your, it's now your favorite part of the Move the Six podcast is college games. You hated it last year. All of a sudden, I don't know who you went to in the offseason. I, like, I, 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 I went to the Genie. I went to the yeah, Wizards. What are you doing? I and I got I'm still I'm still so upset with Oregon blowing that game last week because I'm in a whole different place right now as the lone wolf on Oregon beating Stanford, a game they dominated but could not finish, and so you guys all left you just, just left me in the dust. So I need to have a big week this week. Big big week this week. Big week. All big right, week. We got three two point games, so there's an opportunity to catch up a little bit here for me. I don't know why uh, we Ohio have three two point games. I don't know why they need to be two point all of them. I mean because I told them I wanted more two point games because I'm losing. <laughs> that's why that's why we have it. Uh, right, Ohio State at Penn State is a two pointer here, Buck. Who do you like? You know, this is gonna surprise you, but the best coach in college football outside of Nick Saban has been James Franklin the last couple of years. You look at his record, you look at what he's done. I just believe that they are able to get it done. It's a whiteout in Penn State. Happy Valley is going to rock. Penn State. What has Dabo Sweeney done the last couple of years? No, he's been he okay. Go to the playoffs every year, win a national championship. He's been okay, but I'm telling you, James Franklin. How many times Penn State been in the playoffs, Buck? Nah, but they don't. They, they in the mix. They in the mix. This is the year. Trade <laughs> shortly. You can't say he's done a better job than Dabo. Come on. Why can't I say that? I can say whatever. You can say it. Doesn't make it true. Mm. Uh, so you like Penn State, the whiteout. Uh, Sully, who are you going with here? I'm absolutely going with the Buckeyes. I feel like uh, Haskins is going to get it done against those fellas. You haven't even seen Haskins play. You don't he's even been know slinging Haskins. the rock. What do you mean? You I don't even know, know Haskins. Just, the dude's even, putting up video game even, numbers. You don't even know. You can't tell if he's 5'11 or 6'4. You, know, you haven't been <laughs> looking at him. You're looking at all SEC football. I know. You got sure. the little, little stuff. You don't know anything oh, about Oh, he's Ohio still State. smarting from that one last week. Ooh. Yeah. I got, yeah. The, what game last week? That didn't happen. I don't oh, know what you're, yeah, what you're mentioning. You go. Hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Ohio State in a couple reasons here. Um, the secondary for Ohio State. There, it's NFL dudes all over the place. It's what they've been doing the last few years, just pumping out these NFL prospects in the back end. There, that secondary is going to be big to slow down McSorley in this passing. No attack. Nick Bosa. I, no Nick. Bosa. I know but that's all right. They've they've got they've got uh, Chase Young on the other side. They've got plenty of dudes. They, they've uh, they're going to be all right. They'll all be right, okay. My guy. My guy. Oh yeah, yeah. I love McSorley. I Trace love McSorley. McSorley. I, think, I think I think the secondary will be big in this one, and then also on the offensive side. So much talk about Haskins. Penn State has not been good against the run. Uh, they're going to struggle against the run in this one because there's a couple backs. In fact, uh, one of those backs, J.K. Dobbins, I'm going to say has an impressive run. And Buck, if you want to try and visualize what that touchdown run from Dobbins is going to look like, I'm going to help you out here because I'm going to invoke my Cam call right now. Get Cam out of the bullpen. Give me a little touchdown call here, Cam. A little J.K. Dobbins uh, TD run. What do we got? 
And a merry welcome back to the Move the Sticks radio network alongside producer engineer Sean Sullivan, alongside Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. I'm Cam Molina. We reside over the matchup between the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Penn State Nittany <laughs> Lions. It'll be Dwayne Haskins, the tactful, wily quarterback, lining up under center. Single back formation, strong left set. Haskins, play action, stares down the field. A fluttering pass, left side of the field. Skying forward is J.K. Dobbins. He reels in the pass, tiptoes down the far boundary. 15, 10, 5, and dives into the end zone. Touchdown, Buckeye. You know, I love that call. We're getting him the ball out of the backfield. We're getting J.K. out of the backfield. I like that. Little, little I, like, I like the call from Cam, so that just means. Hold on, we got the fight song. I mean. Oh yeah! Nice, it's nice like, touch. It's like one of the three fight songs we have in house. Does so. the band? Does the band go on the road? <laughs> oh yeah, band, band travels the, for the State. Oh yeah. come on! Band is yeah. going on the road. Yeah, it might be the only time they play 28-7. Whoa! Pass all right, all right. Let's let's keep the train Pass moving State. here. Stanford, Stanford, Notre Dame, another two pointer here. Uh, I've got Notre Dame at home in a close game here. Got a new quarterback. Got a little life to this offense. Everybody loves uh, that's a encouraging. New I'm gonna I'm going Everybody Notre Dame here. Quarterback. What do you want? Who do you want, Buck? I'm going with Stanford. I am going because last week, this is what I learned. Every national champion has to beat a team in a game that they weren't supposed to win. And I think last week was Stanford's thing. They're sitting at number seven. I think they're going to the playoff. I look for them. Whoa. What? You're going to the playoff, huh? Oh, they're going to the playoff. Hmm. Who's going to beat them? Who's going to beat oh, them? They didn't, stop. they didn't really stop Oregon much oh, in that game. You got to stop. You got to score them. That's what they did. You saw all the big all bodies, right, all right. the big all basketball right, man, team. Off. The Twin We're on Towers. Opposite sides. Stanford We're on opposite wins this. Sides. Stanford wins whoever, this. Whoever wins this one might be have a step towards the playoffs. Notre they Dame's schedule. Notre Dame's schedule. Seven and eight. Stanford. They have FSU. That's not as good. They have Virginia Tech that lost their starting quarterback, and and USC that looks down too as well. That this is it for Stanford for Notre Dame. It's a, this it's is a, it. It's a big game for them. Sully, you going Stanford? Yep, going Stanford. Kent's going uh, the Irish here. He's going Notre Dame. I don't understand why on the sheet that uh, I go Notre Dame and Kent goes Irish. Is it because he's a, he's a bigger fan, so he doesn't have to put Notre Dame? He just gets Irish. Well, I just have, I have Indy, Indy on this. On this. You must have no, a special no, I've got sheet. Irish on my sheet. All right, uh, West Virginia, Texas Tech is another two-pointer, which uh, I don't know why it's a two-pointer, right, Buck? I think we're all going West Virginia. I'm going West Virginia. You going West Virginia? Everybody West Virginia all across the board. This is a free two points here. I'm what surprised. do you think happens in this one, though, Buck? Oh, I think Will Greer has a big one. Hey, hey Cam. Let, 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 let's play a call with Will Greer tossing another bomb, a seven spot. And a merry welcome back to the Move the Sticks radio network as Will Greer will come out I formation offset. Greer scans to his left, looks to his right, initiates the play. Play action, he scans left, looks right, tiptoes outside of the pocket a little bit, tap dances, trying to find a little bit of room to operate. He slings to the left side of the field. It will ride down the left hash marks to Sills with his outstretched hands. Right in his bread basket as he tiptoes down the sideline and breaks the pylon. Touchdown, West Virginia. I love, I love a little extra at the end there. Yeah, I like, I like a little extra on that call. That was... That's pretty good there. That's pretty good. I feel good about that. I feel good about West Virginia. I, you know, I feel good about all my picks. Well let's, well, let's keep going I here. we got to crank up the speed here. BYU-Washington. We all go on UW, right? You know, I'm hanging. B- you right like here. you like BYU. Why don't you, why don't you change your mind, change your pick, go BYU there, tough guy? Uh, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I think I'm, I'm going to stick with this. My gut says BYU, but I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to stay with the dogs. I'm going to stay with the dogs. All right, we all got UW space. there. Oregon, man, that's a tough bounce back for them. Going to Cal. Every part, every fiber of my being, I want to pick Cal. I they think Cal's Cal. going to win this they game. They pick Cal. You want, well, Kent's picking Cal, which would make him the lone wolf. But you know what? He's not the lone wolf anymore because I'm last second changing my pick. Give me Cal at home against a very tired and frustrated Oregon team to win. 
Uh, I'll go Cowles. Which, what are they tired? They tired. What are they tired they from? That was, that was a they long game. It was an overtime game against Stanford. There's a lot of football they played. Emotional game. Now they got to go on the road and play Cal and the Fighting Wilcoxes and that yeah. defense. Yeah, the defense is playing Give well. Give me Cal. I'm, I'm going to go with Talon. I believe when you have arguably the top quarterback in the country, you should win most games. We're going with Oregon. All right. Uh, what do you got here, Sully? You going Oregon? Going Oregon uh, with Herbert. Yeah, wimps. Yep. All right, Syracuse, Clemson. None, I mean, I know Syracuse got it last year. They're both four zero, but nobody has the the guts to pick Syracuse. How about the disrespect though? Syracuse four zero. They really aren't ranked. No, they're not ranked. Not ranked yet. Who are they beat? Clemson. They're all. We're all picking Clemson, right? Yeah, we're picking Clemson, but might be a little closer. A little closer than you think. Might be Trevor a little closer Lawrence than you think. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you, Lee Corso, right now? Uh, Florida. We got. Uh, Florida at uh, at Old Miss or Florida at Mississippi State here. Florida at Mississippi State. Man, look State. at all these these Hale State fans. Hale State, Everybody's baby. Got Mississippi State. Well, yeah. it's Dan Mullen coming back to Mississippi State. You're gonna have a, all clang, fire clang, 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 Oh, those Cowboys. Clang, clang, oh, those Cowboys. Even, even said this week that it's not gonna affect him. Oh, he's oh, he's, he's, he's used to he's it. He's mistaken. Good luck. <laughs> He's mistaken. <laughs> it may not affect them, but it's going to affect those kids when they had the bells ringing in their ears. I told you, Buck. Yes. That was I, it. Was either I think it was my second. I think it was my second uh, collegiate start. Was at Mississippi State. Couldn't hear myself think with those stupid cowbells, man. Oh my gosh! First nap. I've told the story before. The first nap they came out. Jolie Dunn was the D coordinator. Came out in the amoeba defense. There wasn't one person with his hand <laughs> in the ground. There's 11 guys moving back and forth and back and forth and milling around. I, we had a run check with me call, and I looked over the sideline like, what the heck am I supposed to do with this? Uh, anyways, yeah, Jackie Sherrill. Fun, fun Jackie Sherrill days back in the day. I think I think he was the head coach there yeah. at that time. Nice. That's correct. Uh, uh, Sully, that could be a homework for you next time. So you can find my stat line against Mississippi State in that uh, in that game at some point in time. I, think I might find that by the end of the pod. I'm looking. Zero chance. Uh, Old Miss at – I don't know if they had the internet back then. Old Miss at LSU. Uh, uh, Buck, what are you thinking here? Going, going to LSU Tigers. I believe the LSU Tigers are right. LSU number five in the country. How many people saw that coming before the year, huh? It's amazing what happens when you get competent quarterback play. Just decent and defense, play. And a defense that's Defense lights out, but they have so much talent that they just need someone who won't lose the game for them in quarterback. Been able to do it. Good. Yeah, there you go. All right, let's go uh, Virginia Tech minus their quarterback, right, at Duke. I mean, I'm, I'm they, Buck. They, used, whoa, whoa. They, they were I'm switching my yeah, pick. Ja- I Jackson, have, yeah, Jackson's done. Which he's done. done. I'm, give which me Duke. I'm switching to Duke. Are you done. switching, Buck? What which are you doing? I made done. this pick earlier in the week. What do you mean he's done? He's done? Are you taking yeah, broken, are you, broken fibia? He broke his leg. Oh, is that why he lost the to you? Yeah, Duke's got – then Duke's quarterback's coming back this week. Yeah, Daniel going, Jones is coming back. Yeah, I'm going Virginia Tech. You're going to stick with Virginia Tech. Yeah, I'm not switching last minute. I'm not influenced. Okay. They just got embarrassed. They got embarrassed. Do you know what they had to hear about all week? Yeah, uh, ODU. Yeah, they come out and play. Um, Kent's going Duke. I'm going to switch to Duke. And uh, Sully's going with uh, Vatek. All right, here we go. Last game. Hey, what do you know? It's an SEC game we have on the schedule here. Oh, what, was this our ninth one, SEC one of, game? One of, one of many. Not my fault. Do one not blame many. me. I don't, of, I don't yeah. pick these games. Uh, don't put that Kent, on me. Kent, one, one Kent is just trying to curry Jeez. favor with Sully here. What do you get? How much do you like? Does he buy you dinner for this? Yeah. I mean, like, Sully, what's he doing here? I mean, it's all – the best is every time we take shots at Kent on the pod, I immediately will get a text, like literally five minutes after the pod posts, and he'll give me a detailed explanation of why we have these SEC games. I thought about this game, but, you know, we don't have to go this. He's very, you know, he, he's got, there's a method to Kent's madness here. But it is uh, madness. It is madness. South Carolina at Kentucky, number 17, 4-0 Kentucky here, Buck. Who do you like? I mean, 
How many people are really going to watch this game? It's it's arguably the game of the week in the SEC. Where, where is it? An, is it a? Is it? This is not the CBS game. And once is it? No, it's 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 on SEC Network. But that's gonna be the best. It's on SEC Network. You know why it's not a CBS game? Nobody, nobody cares. cares. Nobody cares. Yeah, that's because why. no one cares, I'm going to treat this like a basketball game. UK <laughs> gets to win. Kentucky gets to win over this one. Come on. Uh, I'll, I'll go with uh, – I, I ride with South Carolina. Here's what I do every week on this thing. This is why I'm screwed. I pick South Carolina to win every week, and that ends up biting me. I pick Georgia to lose every week. I don't know why. I don't, you don't, I don't like know Georgia? why I keep picking – I don't know why I keep picking, why, why picking what's what's with Georgia? I just think that somebody's going to get them. I mean, it has doesn't ever happen. But uh, I'm gonna why change? I'm gonna go South Carolina on the road to beat Kentucky here. Uh, and I think Kentucky, I think Kentucky beaten South Carolina like four or five times in a row. Um, it's been a bit. I don't feel I don't feel great about this one. I've already switched two picks though. I don't feel it's ethical for me to switch switch a third. I'll stick with South Carolina. Kent's going South Carolina. Sully, you going uh, Kentucky? Yep, yep. Just so you know, Mike. Benny Snell. One of only four SEC players to rush for 500 yards and seven touchdowns for four games. Terry Touchdown Wilson, too. Going to be throwing it up. Uh, run it, did, run did, it you, did you give him that nickname, No, touchdown he's had Wilson? that since high school. Terry Touchdown. Oh, Terry oh, Touchdown. Played at Kentucky as well, Buck, back in the day um, against Tim Couch. Tim Couch threw for eh, maybe 500, maybe 500 against the against – the, uh, We lost <laughs> to Kentucky. Northeast we Louisiana. Played, we, we played them. I can't even remember who they had. We lost, I can't believe we lost to Kentucky. We, I have fun talking about that game every year when we do the Pac-12 Media Day with Mike Leach. Uh, he still remembers it. Oh, man, Craig Yeast. Craig mm. Yeast. Tim mm. Couch to Craig Yeast. They tore us a new one. Uh, just smoked us. I had a nice little touchdown run, though, Buck, about nice 20 yards. What did you, you do? Did you, are you a guy that, did you throw the ball to the ref or did you put the ball down in the corner of the end zone? I don't remember. Though my I, All I know is I score like going to the right on a quarterback draw in that game, and then right before halftime I got knocked, I got a concussion, I got knocked out. Uh, so that's, that's those are my memories. I, I remember being in the locker room. Uh, they take me into the locker room at halftime, and all of a sudden I just remember my dad being in there, and I remember, I remember being like, what, what is he doing here? <laughs> uh, no clue. I was out. I was out. Uh, all right, Sully, you just know why you found that stat sheet. Zero chance. Nope. I, I did you not. You wouldn't. It's, uh, it's out there somewhere. I want to say a, a robust 220 in the air that game, Buck. Robust. Oh, not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Um, all right. Anything else? Uh, what we got in the notebook this week, Buck? Ooh, we are talking about Josh Rosen first star, how the Cardinals can get him jump started. Also, why Xavier Howard is the best corner that no one is talking about. Well, there you go. And uh, hat tip to Dante Jackson, who did not make my top five rookie list this week. Did have two interceptions. There was a lot of rookies that made uh, big-time plays this week. So, I just want to acknowledge – that the young corner from LSU, who I liked a lot, comes to the draft process. Did you like him a lot? You liked him so much that you didn't put him in your list. I didn't put him in my top five list for this last week. <laughs> yeah, a lot of guys made big-time plays. Uh, anyways, hat tip to him. Carolina Panthers fans, leave me alone. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for us here on the Move to Six podcast. Be sure to check out all of our videos, nfl.com slash mtsvideo, youtube.com slash NFL for those. And on the audio podcast, just uh, do yourself a favor. Subscribe. Don't just download it. Subscribe. It'll show up for you each and every time we drop a new episode. That's going to do it for us today. Uh, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. 
That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 